Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. It has been a great week this week. I've been well relaxed. I took off a couple of days from work. And this week I'm giving you, with a special guest, the 40th episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast, which is appropriately about the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. We gave it a couple of weeks so that everybody doesn't get spoiled. I'm assuming that's a Ghostbusters fan has seen the movie already. We had to push it back one week, but it's all well and dandy because we are going to give you the episode today. But before we get into the Afterlife Ghostbusters movie review, I got one little piece of news for you. It's called Xenobots can now reproduce, scientists say. Xenobots, which were created using stem cells from African clawed frog, work together and self-heal. They reproduce harvesting loose stem cells and gathering them into piles, which can then mature into Xenobots. And if you want more information about can go on to IGN.com and find out what the Xenobots reproducing things means for human race as we inch closer to the iRobot movie. And now getting into the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie review. If you hear this, this was all done by Joey Valentino. And I have him on one again, once again for the Ghostbusters Afterlife review. Joey has done so much for the Say What Again Billy podcast, and I give him 100% credit for this great music playing in the background, and we are here to discuss Afterlife movie. Joey, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me again. No problem, buddy. There's nobody else I'd rather have on the show in regards to Ghostbusters, and we also know you are a big-time movie buff. Uh, <laughs> we got to see it the night before Thanksgiving, which was a great night. It was just pretty much me, you, and one other person in the movie theater, I think, with their kid, right? Yeah. And it was a bunch of wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. That was great. Yes. You know, that was a, <laughs> uh, a really good night. I introduced Joey to Parmesan. <laughs> my Buffalo Wild Wings, it was, uh, those are one of my favorites. Oh, those were really good, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I actually introduced, it's, it's pretty funny, because Ghostbusters Afterlife, I saw it the day before it came out on November 18th with uh, one of my good friends as well, uh, my friend Charlie, and he had never ate Buffalo Wild Wings, you know, in New Rochelle where we yeah. live. Um, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings pretty much right near the movie theater. And I said to him, I was like, you got to try the Parmesan wings. And he didn't get them, but I gave him a few of mine. He was like, Bill, you're right. So I just now I'm going to have in my head Parmesan cheese with Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> when it comes out on, uh, you know, streaming, that's what you get. You order that with, like, you know, a big tub of popcorn and whatever, like, beer or soda, and that's how you have the night, along with Butterfingers, even though you don't I like I think those. that's uh, what I'm going to do, Joe. I think what we should do when it comes out, in either, I think it's coming out on 4K, uh, DVD, 4K, or boot, or yeah. streaming. Sometime in January or February, we got to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, order a bunch of wings, and bring it back and watch it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we should just do that one night just because. <laughs> yes, that's, that's 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 with cigars in the freezing cold outside. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what we got to do. But, Joey, speaking yeah. of Ghostbusters Afterlife, um, we're doing a review. and Every fan and every podcaster that's a fan of it has done their review, and now it's our turn. Oh, so of course. I, I, we, I'm going to just start by asking mm. um, overall, and then we'll get into the details. On a four-star scale, what would you give it? I'd give it a four stars, maybe four at uh, four point five, if I could, or five. I thought it was uh, very well done. Uh, it, it lived up to what you know everyone was saying. A lot of heart behind it, and it was funny too. Uh, of course, that wasn't without like you know the sad moments in it where you know there's some of that uh you know the nice nostalgia that we see a lot of the fan callbacks but also just you know i don't want to give a spoiler on it but things no we can we can do it. spoilers so we could we, before okay. we before we go any further i should <laughs> and i wanted to announce this yeah there will be there is spoiler warning this is okay. we are going on he's been out so if you're listening to this and i'm gonna and obviously it's gonna be in the captions Right when I when I when it airs, I'm gonna post Joey spoiler yeah. warning. So you can go feel free to talk about the whole movie openly. All right, good. Okay, well, seeing uh, you know, the whole thing with Egon in the beginning of the film and how he, how his uh, you know, he dies for the film franchise. That was like you know, 
a little hard to to take, but you know, you understand like why that had to happen because you know Harold Ramos is no longer with us. Uh, but then also seeing the CGI recreation of that was done, you know, tastefully. Speak at all was probably one of the smartest things because it's bittersweet at that moment. And when you see a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that they're like, you know, showing a lot online, uh, it's funny to note that Ivan Reitman, the original film director, uh, was the stand in for Harold Ramis when all four of them were seen to zapping Gozer, well, you know, with the. Um, uh, McKenna Grace's uh, Phoebe Spangler. So that was pretty cool. That, like, because Ivan Reitman is considered like an unofficial Ghostbuster <laughs> because of, you know, he's the director of the films. Right. He's been, uh, are, you know, doing that with the Aykroyd, Ramis, and Murray. So it's uh, it only made sense to like have him as a stand in up there with Hudson, Murray, and an Aykroyd. Yeah. When we were talking about, um, the Ghostbuster Afterlife predictions episode where we predicted things that would happen. Me and you kind of had the hunch, even before we aired that episode, that this was the route that they had to go. They had to go this far. They had to make him some kind of ghost, ironically, a Ghostbuster coming back as a ghost. Um, Yeah. They had to do it. They did it very tastefully, as you said. And what I also enjoyed, and that the predictions were right, was the original Ghostbusters came back when things got crazy for the kids and it essentially helped them take down Gozer for what we think the last time. Yeah, so far. Right. I I liked that it was, there was a lot of things in this movie that did reflect or they took from the first movie, the, the first Ghostbusters. But yes. in, in that scene, the only thing that I could think of was the Back in the Saddle episodes one and two from Extreme Ghostbusters, oh, yeah. where Ghostbusters helped the which were Roland, Garrett, Kylie, and Eduardo. They basically helped them take down this big bad ghost. Um, and of course, it was the four originals and the four new Ghostbusters. And yep. es- essentially, that's what we saw because... You know, spoiler alert, Egon's ghost did help Phoebe because he had to take on Ghoster, uh, Gozer um, when, it, you know, the Ghostbusters were down. And you saw Egon's hand swoop in and guide the, the neuron wand at Gozer, give her that little kind of push. And then the other Ghostbusters fired their proton packs. And it was a emotional scene in that aspect. And then yeah. after that scene ended, we went to basically... I'm not crying. It's raining type thing where yeah. it was, you know, you saw Egon speak to his old coworkers slash friend. Then he hugged his grandchildren and then he hugged his daughter. And I feel that in that scene, the reactions from Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson and Bill Murray were not acting. I felt like that was just genuine. That was genuine. Yeah, no, definitely was. I mean, all of them, had the, the long working relationship even prior to doing a film like that. So it's like imagining what you would have been able to say if he was standing there, you know, right. it's imagining what it had been like having him up there with you filming that scene again, you know, that's what I think it was for them in that moment. But, you know, just speaking of everyone in that, that particular scene, you know, when it came to them showing up, the improvisation that Murray gives out is, I mean, he deserves a writing credit for the first two because he just basically used the script as a jump off point and just ad-libbed throughout. So over here, they were doing the same kind of thing with them. It was just a jump off and then he was just saying whatever he wanted to say. Yeah, and that scene was, <laughs> to me, when I watched the first time, I thought of that scene when goes first of all, Gozer was like, all right, we, we've been down this route, route before. The Ghostbusters tried to cross the streams again. And yep. she took she took the streams off and basically flung them. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they gave Ernie Hudson a, a, a very comedic line when when Dan oh, Aykroyd, yeah. when, when, when Ray says, 
I don't remember this hurting that much. And then Nelson was like, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, because they, they always get knocked down no matter what. <laughs> they always do. Vigo, so in part two, Vigo knocks them down. They were paralyzed. And yeah, that was probably the harshest. <laughs> yeah, they, couldn't, they could not move. And Bill Murray yeah. went on this rant to Vigo. And we saw him <laughs> do the same thing to Gozer, which was just like a callback to part two, which a yep. lot of people didn't catch the the things from part two because there was there was callbacks from the original two movies. Oh yeah, and, there was a ton of them. Yeah, they had we had Razor Colt. You know, Razor Colt was strictly in the second movie. So for people to say the second movie never existed, it's wrong. Razor Colt was in the second movie. The red phone, the bookstore, everything about it was in that movie. And it was oh, even yeah. mentioned in the post credit scene uh, where Annie Potts, Janine was talking to Ernie Hudson, Winston um, you know, she asked him, are you still taking care of the bills for Ray's bookstore? So this yeah. was a callback. That was a callback. That in t- that scene where they were down was a callback to part two. And there was many call by- callbacks to the original, um, you know, Ghostbusters movie mm-hmm. that they used. Oh, the music, the soundtrack throughout the film was probably the, one of the biggest ones. The opening scene, Joey, was the piano. Yep. You know, oh the, yeah, yeah. The opening scene. I actually enjoyed the opening scene. Um, I actually wondered why Egon didn't use the Ecto one to drive up to the mountain and drive back, but I guess you had to leave it, you know, leave it all bagged up into the the farm. Um, but the, from everything that we saw, the one there's a couple of scenes that stood out to me. Is you obviously see the relationship with Phoebe and podcast. It's very similar to. Peter Venkman in Ray Stance. And we see that basically happen in this movie. And what would have, if we saw more of an extended version of the original Ghostbusters, what that would have been like, um, their relationship. I, I, for me personally, it looked more like Ray and Egon type of relationship because podcast is so like enthusiastic and hyped up about those things, just like Ray is. And then Phoebe takes a more like analytical approach, just like, you know, Egon did. So to me, it, it read as like a Ray and Egon type. And Trevor is really not like if they're trying to like mimic. I know they're not trying to mimic characters, but they're trying to give you like certain like nods to those characters with these new ones. Trevor to me is nothing like a Vankman character. If anything, it's like Paul Rudd's character is a mix of Vankman and Tully. Yeah, which is pretty, which is an interesting combination. Believe it or not, um, <laughs> again, and I was a fan of of the cartoon, but um, oh, I love the cartoon also. Uh, the um, Trevor's character reminded me of Eduardo from the Ghostbuster. He had, his, I could see that. I could see that. Had, yeah, <laughs> he had a crush. He had a crush on Kylie, which, uh huh, yeah, essentially Lucky was was the Winston slash Kylie uh, character of this movie. And he started talking to her because he saw at the he saw her at the drive at the you know the restaurant, um, yeah. and the burger spot, and you know he tried to you know win her over. So that was almost like an Eduardo esque Ghostbusters type thing from the Extreme Ghostbusters because yeah. essentially you know Eduardo basically stayed doing all that because of Kylie. You know there was a secret crush thing that you saw in a few of those episodes. Oh yeah. Um, so I, he actually reminded me more of. Uh, Eduardo, and there was little uh, spots and little blips of him be- being Peter Vinkman. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit like that, I could see. But one thing I have to say, I, I cannot... I don't know if, how anybody else thinks about it, but for me, I do not see Lucky and Trevor any chemistry between them. I did not see any on-screen chemistry for there to be like these two kids liking each other and ha- or having a relationship. It just wasn't for me. It wasn't believable. I'm like a guy like him with a girl like her, and it's just like they wouldn't mingle. In my opinion, at least, it's like okay, come yeah. on. She, he's a little bit too much. He's younger than her, nonetheless. <laughs> it's like, and she's like, she looks out of his league. Let's be honest. I, I think we, I think we just got a taste of it, Joey, because what was what was going on? We saw a little bit of it, and then when the part where they got arrested. And things started yeah. happening. They didn't really get the chance. You kind of saw him get upset when she turned into a terror dog. Um, oh yeah, of course. And then after the movie, we, you know, we we really didn't see what what happened after that. Um, but 
going back to the the take backs from part one, yeah. the scene the scene where they were in the diner was basically taken from when they were locked up in central booking, reading yep. over the blueprint of Dana Barrett's apartment building. Yeah. And you you they even incorporated in the diner workers and people sitting in the booths looking at them as they were talking, just like the prisoners were in part one. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that there was like callbacks like that's that, you know, they were, they were like so subtle for other, like, you know, the average moviegoer versus like, you know, die hardcore hard fans. fans, the yeah. diehard fans, they'll be able to call out every little thing. And which is great, but like, you know, the regular moviegoers that they're like kind of clueless to it and are just thinking, well, this is pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, it seems to have been like, you know, some backlash with like some critics about fan service on the, those kind of moments to me, which is like, it just falls over my head because fan over my just goes over my head because the fan service, no one bats an eye about it when it's done with like, Star Wars and like it, Mandalorian was like taken to new heights with that. And like people were talking about like the, the callbacks were part of that. And people were talking about the callbacks that are part of like, you know, a lot of the MCU with the callbacks of the comics and, and all those fan service uh, things that go on. So to like bash little moments like that just seemed to have been a little bit nitpicky. I don't know what you think about that. It just seemed a little bit like, all right, come on. Seriously. See, in my in my opinion, you know, if we're gonna go at a four star, well, let's do it a five star rating because you said four point five. Yeah, yeah. If it was a five star, if it was a five star, I would do the same rating, four point five. I would I that everything done in that movie was done to the I you know, like he was sitting Jason Reitman was listening to fans for years and he took everything we said and put it into the movie and you know, you just we're just living in times where you're never gonna make everybody happy, Joey. You know, oh, you're not. Oh, of course. And I'm and I'm not like that. I to me, I I enjoyed the Force Awakens and Ghostbusters Afterlife reminded me of Force Awakens because Force yeah, it's a Awakens, legacy film. Yeah, Force Awakens was pretty. It wasn't identical to A New Hope, but it was damn near. No. You know, it was there was there was pieces of it that were like, oh, this is this reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. But exactly. You you have to understand that in this movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Everything was happening in, in the same way it was the original Ghostbusters. And, you know, they got locked up because they were doing stuff, you know, with, pro, you know, proton uh, streams and, you know, driving without a license. Like the Ghostbusters had gotten locked up for, you know, thinking they they blew up the firehouse and, you know, kind yeah, of noxious gas. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you <laughs> People know, they, think they're they seeing were, ghosts. Yeah. Okay. They were going through yes. the scenarios. And it just led them into these 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 moments. Now, obviously, if you follow part one, when their mom turned into, you know, was possessed and was sitting on the couch doing the same sounds. And the same... Well, that's yeah. what happens with that ghost. That ghost is that's how the possession works. It works yeah. in that in that, you know, and then eventually they go off and they get the dress, which I like how they, you know, showed how the desk, the, the, the dress rather appears on them. And, um, you know, and then they do their mating service or whatever. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that has to be something that's done to them, you know, get to the. And that's how it happened in part one. And if you're using a returning villain or a returning ghost, that's how it has to be. So I liked how they did everything. I also like going to a slightly different subject is yeah. I had mentioned it to you during the movie when we were watching it and or after the movie that the scene where they're trying um, the they call it Muncher, the Muncher mm-hmm. ghost. The, when they went after the ghost and they failed in the in the um, there was like it was a facility like a water facility, right? Oh I, yeah, it I got, like, a, like I, a waterfront. Yeah, I got a flashback to when the three original Ghostbusters were in the library and they failed, mm-hmm. and then yeah. the, and and they went off. They never got the library ghost. They only got it in the video game, right? So that yeah. was a that was a callback to me, in my opinion, of the library scene. And then they get all of them together and they go after that ghost that escaped. And it's almost like the Cedric Hotel scene. You got all of them together. They're yep. driving to catch the ghost. And there was a scene that when the muncher ghost let the fire hydrant when he opened it and Trevor um, 
drove past the the hydrant to you know start following the ghost. The dirty Ghostbuster logo was washed off, and you see the drip, the dirt dripping off the logo, and it was almost like a like a like symbolism, a, like a symbolism of the Ghostbusters are back. You know, we're out of the dirt. Thirty years later, you know, the dirt comes off the logo, and Egon was referenced as the dirt farmer. And <laughs> yeah, you know, essentially, <laughs> essentially, that scene was like <clears throat> this is the rebirth of Ghostbusters. And the way movies are going nowadays, especially with Star Wars, as we see with The Mandalorian and the Obi-Wan uh, series that's about to start and Boba Fett that oh, yeah. came back out, we're going to see, don't be surprised, we're going to see in, whether it's a streaming service um, that puts a, a series out or you know if they get these kids to do, the, do a series, which I think will be hard, I think they might go the movie route. Um, oh yeah, definitely movies. Uh, but I, I feel like we're going to get another Ghostbuster movie, and if you stayed for the end credit, you've seen that Winston goes back to the firehouse, which was should have been a Starbucks, according to Ray, <laughs> but the firehouse was abandoned. It was, you know, you know, busted up and old and dusty. He has someone drive the Ecto-1 in. He puts his hand on the Ecto-1, and then the camera pans down to the unit, which was in the basement of the firehouse, and the light is still blinking, which means ghosts are still in there. The containment unit's still there, and that essentially sets up for a Ghostbusters 4 where we may see Vigo come back, which Jason Reitman has pointed uh, out. He said in a couple of comments that, how do you know that was the only painting? Um, I mean, I he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's, he's, <laughs> I would not want to see Vigo come back because then you got, you basically have two movies. That rehashing. Were, yeah, rehashing. So I don't want to see that. I saw something on Instagram today. You and, you and I, we both follow a lot of Instagram pages with Ghostbusters. Yeah. And there was a page that posted um, which which ghost would you like to see if there was ever a fourth movie? And they listed the Sandman, the Boogeyman, um, the pumpkin from the Eternal Halloween. Samhain. Is the Samhain that one, the pumpkin one? I'm not, can't, I can't be too sure about the name. <laughs> or, or they said Vigo, or they said just a brand new ghost. And I think if they're going to go that route, you know what? Give us something from the universe. I, I would say. The real Ghostbusters played a impact in my childhood more than the actual movie. I would tune in whenever it was on. It was on, you know, during the day if I was home or on Saturdays. I remember it being around like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. And I would watch Ghostbusters on the Cartoon Network. <clears throat> and it was just, you know, everything that I broke. I, I found the, the proton pack and I would pretend to go out in the neighborhood and go Ghostbusting with my neighbor. She would take me. And because of that cartoon, you know, not just the movies, but the cartoon really made me become more of a Ghostbuster. They're going yeah. to do the, the route of a fourth movie. I would essentially like to see them take one of the more popular cartoon episodes that goes in a fourth movie. Or you know what they could do? Because I agree with you on that. I think that'd be pretty pretty wild. I mean, they did take ghosts from the cartoon and implement them into the film, too. They did do that with that ghost with the eyeball on its head. That's yeah. straight from the real Ghostbusters cartoon. It was a they toy. did they did include that into the movie. <laughs> they did. There was a lot of things in that movie they took from pretty much everything. But, yeah, even Extreme Ghostbusters with the the bolted logo, like I pointed out when they, they showed that bolted logo. The bolted logo and the PKE meter in Ghostbusters Extreme was never the PKE meter. Egon's PKE meter was it. You know, it came out and it had this boomerang type shape to it. In yep. the original Ghostbusters cartoon, even in the uh, uh, real Ghostbusters cartoon, it had that shape. When the PKE meter got so hot, it became like a taser. And if yep. you watch the opening scene to Extreme Ghostbusters, the, the, the antennas are straight up and there's a spark. And I feel like he kind of used that from the opening scene of Extreme Ghostbusters. He may or may not have, but he, he did incorporate two pieces of old equipment that we saw and he gave him an upgrade with the, the ecto goggles having a Polaroid. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> and, and the PKE meter becoming a taser because I even said, I think it was either to you or the first time I saw the movie, I was like, well, if you're using the PKE meter and you don't see the ghost, cause you know, they just pop up sometimes, um, you know, maybe you get too close and you have no choice to shock it and then jump back and take out your wand and start shooting. So yeah. I like that he made some upgrades the upgrade to his wand was very – if you didn't 
you know, follow the toy brands or all the news and stuff online, you would have really never caught that the wand had a wooden shotgun um, holder, you know, to, to, to the wand, which, which was yeah. on. If you watched the movie, you would never have caught that. But because of the, you know, the, the replica coming out that I showed you, you, you see yeah. that and the, and the wrapping around the, the handle. The green um, tape, yeah. Yeah, it was like a green tape. Green army stuff. tape, yeah. Right. So, and then, you know, there was some questions about the movie that we both kind of caught, like, how did they get the proton packs, the original Ghostbusters? If Egon took everything, where did they get them from? Did they go back to the mountain and take the, the three packs off the off the columns, the rock columns? That's my, sus- that's my uh, hypothesis. I think like, that's a very very lo- uh, logical thing because they were in tandem behind these kids right, getting you know, to everywhere because they heard a mountain. The girl told Ray about a mountain. He just went to that mountain. Probably Egon always told him about it. Yeah, I think Ray, because he did have that phone call with Egon during the mm-hmm. movie where he said to Phoebe on the phone <clears throat> while she was in jail that he was scaring Ray with his phone calls, but he Ray probably took notes. And then when the, you know when he when she said to Ray that, you know, I'm his granddaughter and he gave him all that info, he probably called Winston and Peter and said, listen, mm-hmm. these kids are in trouble. Egon probably was on something. They went yeah. to the cave, grabbed the packs, and got there somehow and, uh, you know, gave us one of the most iconic scenes that we have seen in, you know, five to 28 years. Yeah. And, you know, you know what? Uh, you know, there was a lot of questions for the film that I've seen online that a lot of fans are, like, focusing on, like, all the minutiae. Oh, this is, it's so small. Everything that they're looking at, you know, it's so tiny. I like that. How did this happen? How did that happen? It's like, well, you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't always fit into a first film. You get your answers later, and some of it's left up to your imagination. Not everything requires. Right. You, you're going to get reason. your answers. Yeah, we, yeah. you're going to get. You're going to get your answers, and that's eventually the they, they answered some questions that you know we had in this movie. Oh yeah, you know, and not for nothing, the the movie was. A long movie. It was two hours and what, ten minutes or something like that? Did I something say? like that? But it you required know, it for this kind of a, a film that took forever to come out. You know, it requires story for you to see, and there was very little ghostbusting, which is what both films are about. When you think about it, essentially, there's not a lot of ghostbusting. Yeah, I I always said that about the first and second movie. For people who said there was too much, I actually always wanted more. But I, I feel like in this movie. We got the answers, and we got enough. I think we got enough. We, you know, that scene where they were chasing Muncher, and the the scene with the terror dog and the Ghostbusters at the end. Yeah. Even the even the beginning scene, you see the stream go up in the air in the mountain, and Egon run away, and the ghosts come, and you could tell that he was, you know, he was by himself, and um, you know, it was. I I always liked the Ghostbusting aspect. I I like seeing the Ghostbusting. I I liked part one. I always liked part two more than part one because I loved that courtroom scene. That was that. To oh, the courtroom to, scene is awesome. <laughs> to, this, to this, to this day in, in, in scenes of ghostbusters, when it comes to ghostbusting, I will always put the scene number one, number two for me will be the, will be the muncher chase scene. Cause that was just well done. That and was the, awesome. And the third mm. one to me will, will be when they were, um, you know, when they were catching Slimer and then right under that was be the original fight with Vigo. Um, this fight was pretty good. It just felt like uh, everything was going wrong for them, and they were just trying to shoot this thing, and it was just not going down without a fight this time. And and did um, who'd you say that was? For the Olivia show? Wilde. Uh, yeah, Olivia Wilde. I mean, it was perfect casting. I, I She's already believable, but that's her underneath it all. It's insane. Yeah, she. <laughs> I mean, I mean, odd odd to say this, but you know. I was like, wow, she's awkwardly hot as a ghost. You know, I, 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 I told you that. You looked yeah. up her, uh, her, uh, the pictures of her afterwards to see what she looked like. And you were like, oh, my God. I've never yeah, seen this I girl. She, I, I've never seen her. She's, she's a very pretty, very beautiful actress. And then today, because it's weeks, you know, I actually uh, yesterday, because it's so many weeks down, I actually told my, I told my wife, I was like, uh, told her that week i was like whoever they casted to play the big betty was awkwardly more attractive than the original I was like so you like a ghost you're getting a you know a ghost. <laughs> you know you're you're getting a, a an arouse from a ghost i was like no not really but it's just you know she had this evil but you know like you know evil 
but pretty look. Like a lot of people went crazy for the new Resident Evil video game um, character, the the new villain in the Resident Evil game, the most recent Resident Evil game. It's some seven foot two, seven foot four vampire woman that wears a white dress and a um, woman's fedora, like a Carmen, oh, yeah. Sa- Carmen Sandiego-esque hat. And she has these gigantic claws and people were going crazy because she was a hot, tall vampire. And, you know, some sometimes, odd enough, you know, you do something like that with a female, you know, uh, bad guy or, you know, or in a movie and you're going to catch attention from guys in that aspect. And not because... Not just because I'm a ghost, but maybe caught my attention. That was a pretty girl. They did it well. The costume. It's hard great. to make her look ugly, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. In a, in a there ain't enough ugly to cover up that pretty. That's that's I, like, I also <laughs> like that they that they made her say the iconic. Saying, oh yeah. Are you a god? And 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 Ray actually had to think about it, and they were like, "Come on, Ray. You know, come on." <laughs> that was great. And, like, yeah, we're all gods. Come on, you know, like. <laughs> I loved, I loved it. They brought it back, and he answered right. He's like, yep, I'm a guy. You know, it's literally a play on everything that's ever happened leading up to that. First time around, he tried the appropriate, like, you know, the polite approach. He was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Second he- time around. Yeah. <laughs> Second time around, yeah. Vigo. He hold it right there, deadhead. It was, and then that's when, like, throughout part two, when he's saying his speech to Vigo, you know, you want a baby? Go ahead and knock up some willing hellhound. Also, I'm giving you three to get back in that painting where you belong. And you see Winston like looking over at Egon and Ray, like, what the fuck is he doing? Yep. <laughs> like, I, I for, actually forgot about that scene where Ray was. It's a callback you know, to it. Yeah. That was for part two. That was a callback. He, he said everything like he said in, in part one. He was like, the city of New York, you know, da, 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 is telling you to go. Wild back Ducks to League. What the yeah, fuck? He, 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 and then he was like, the, the state of Oklahoma, Ohio, whatever state that took yeah. place in. Fisherman's Association. And then Peter's just like, yep, oh, here he goes again. Uh-huh, yeah. and, he, and I have to say, they they you know they obviously looked old, they look aged, but you know, in that uniform, doesn't matter if you become 90, you know, like 90 pounds heavier, 100 pounds heavier. Ernie Hudson is in the best shape. Yeah, he looks phenomenal. And he he's looks, the oldest. Yeah, he I, I'm telling you, man, there, there's an old saying, black don't crack, and, and it sure proved yeah. it in this movie. No, dude, like he is uh, he's just awesome like i've always loved ernie Hudson from the crow and then when he did hand rocks a cradle his career has been a wild ride and it was just great seeing him like back in that role and he's been the one that's like always been supportive of the you know the fans community for ghostbusters showing up at conventions as he doesn't need to be doing that it's just how yeah. close he feels to that character that franchise that character yeah. you know and i'm and i'm glad that they gave him more clout in this movie oh, i'm glad yeah. And I'm glad with the end credits, it really does set up the Ghostbusters franchise going forward as him as the lead guy. Actually, going to be the Tony Stark of the Ghostbusters. Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark. Uh, it's the, he. They talked to Ernie Hudson recently. He's like he likes to think of himself as the Nick Fury of the Ghostbusters. I'm like that's actually another good take because Nick Fury directs the Avengers where to go, right. <laughs> and that's essentially what he will be doing, but with money too. So exactly. it's pretty yeah, interesting. So they go- and I had, and I had, and I want to actually close on this uh, two things. I had a, a theory that if they ever did the fourth movie, and I think I told you this already, you saw how the ghosts were breaking out of the streams in this movie. Oh, they were yeah. doing They were doing it a little bit more easier. I feel like they're trying to go the route of extreme Ghostbusters. Yet again, I'm mentioning them, but, you know, in the cartoon, Egon was saying that the streams weren't powerful enough for these new batch of ghosts that came out. And essentially, had packs and tweak things, and you know, you saw Gozer get real privy to how the how she got beat last time. They crossed the streams, and you know, she took the streams off. Granted, there was only three, but beat again. But she took the streams right off of her through the Ghostbusters. You saw the Muncher Ghost uh, pretty much take the streams off, which I've never recalled seeing that in the original movies. I saw, you know. The, the proton streams not be strong enough to break through the slime that was over the museum um, or the library. I, I've, never, I've never seen ghosts take the streams off in the previous movies. So I feel like if they did do a fourth movie, we love the iconic Ghostbuster proton pack, but maybe Ernie Hudson, if he plays Winston, he will have Phoebe work on another pack 
and maybe they'll nod it over to the extreme Ghostbuster proton pack and just, you know, revamp everything and use the Ecto-1 and kind of trend in that or do some upgrades with the proton pack as far as the storyline with the video games where you see a lot of attachments on the proton pack, which would oh, be yeah. cool as well. You know, we got to talk about two other things, though, with, the, with what you're bringing up right there. Number one thing before we get back into, like, you know, pack stuff right there uh, with, the, like, new, t- the, you know, up part four. One thing we got to talk about from this film that a lot of people seem to have been going crazy over, and I, I've told to you about this, the whole aspect of no one believing Egon, especially Ray, is so far-fetched and out of this world that out of everything they've ever been through together, Ray would be the one, first one to believe him. Ray would do this and that. That For me, all that noise that everyone's like not understanding, it's, it's all right in front of their faces. Number one, people think they know the characters so much based off of the cartoon that they grew up with, number one. I'm going to just say that. Number one, the cartoon is what makes people feel like they know and these characters to their core when really they don't. When you see things in part one and part two, you see how little off Egon actually is. I mean, there's a line in part one right away where uh, Peter said about Egon trying to drill a hole into his head. Yeah. I do, <laughs> I mean, I, I do uh, Right recall. there, Egon's off sometimes. Yeah, he collects fungus and molds. And I mean, come on. He's a little weird. We know he that. Had, <laughs> he, had, he had the... Uh, the couple in the room that he was turning up the heat and decreasing the heat every hour or so to see the, yeah. the, the you know, he was, he was an off character, but yeah. also, this is also people not paying attention to the movie where Ray clearly said that Egon was turning down calls and they were only yeah. doing one, one or two calls a week. He was turning down calls because he said there was an importance elsewhere that he had to focus yeah. on. So there were ghost problems that didn't matter. <laughs> right. So we have to remember that there are things that people weren't catching. I caught that. Now I got to bring it back to the original movie. Ray Stance basically put his life a a settlement or some kind of something from his family that that was able to be used. Three mortgages you had to pay. Right. Basically, he was basically <laughs> that firehouse was his bread and butter. So you have to really put things into perspective. And this is really geeking out. If they were only a week at that time and Egon was saying, hey, this isn't important. We're going to neglect it. I have something else to do. Of course, Ray's going to get mad. And the boiling point is when you go back to the firehouse and everything is gone, the Ecto-1, which which Ray spent a lot of money on and was a complete dumpster fire of a Cadillac, then yeah. you see all the proton pack, all the tools you guys need to go ghostbusting. Everything is gone. You are going to have animosity towards that person. So you have to really, you have to really look at the lines in the movie and going back to the original movie to see how much it costs Ray Stance alone to actually purchase the car, purchase and everything like that. Peter was just there, you know, free roaming with all. (laughs) It was really Egon. Yeah, it was really Egon and Ray, and of course Ray had to be mad. At, at, at Egon because, you know, look what he did. So people have to understand, you know, if, Joey, if you came into my room and took yeah. my PS5 and took my Nintendo Switch <laughs> and my Xbox, you know, I'm going to be mad at you. The only difference is I, I know where you live. Ray, didn't know, Ray, Ray, doesn't, Ray didn't know where Egon was. He just said he was out working on something. It's biblical. It's, it's crazy. It's the end of the world. And, and they lost touch. And the only way they were reconnected was via... Phoebe making that phone call, and of course, we had the sheriff in that town, which turned out to be Lucky's father, say, "Yeah, oh yeah, you get a phone call. Who are you gonna call?" And yeah. that was, you know, that cheesy, was cheesy, but it was a little cheesy and cringe. But I was like, che- All right, che- I "Yeah, it was." Mean. But you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you see what you in, in, in retrospect, in, in in real time policing, you actually have to ask that question: Who are you calling? They need to know who you're calling. Well, so yeah. That, so that you know, you're not going to say it exactly like that. Who he, you going to call? He, he, yeah, he exaggerated <laughs> it, but you know what? I, I enjoy. I enjoyed it. It was cringy yeah, a little of course. bit. There were you know every movie, everything we love in life. If of we're course, a fan of Indiana. Like the entire Indiana Jones and the and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was cringy. I still oh. loved it because I'm a I'm an Indiana Jones fan. You know, if you take out like forty percent of that movie and redo it, that movie was great. 
but because oh, yeah. of because you know they made decisions and casted certain people, the movie was cringeworthy. Now, the one thing I wanted to add into this episode before we close out was there is an actual episode of the real Ghostbusters cartoon where Egon does become a ghost. Yeah, and they, they're also helping the Ghostbusters throughout the throughout the thing, and that was kind of I I feel like that episode was also used in this because you know if you're Jason Reitman, you're like how do I you know, give a really good closeout to Harold Ramis and his character Egon. And, you know, you have to watch the original Ghostbusters. They most, he most definitely did to include the gunner seat, which was on top of the toy car and in episodes of the real Ghostbusters. So I feel like he used that. And essentially, the movie was very well done using every aspect of the Ghostbusters universe. Yeah. No, it was. It, it, it was great with, uh, how he just took everything from over the course of the years and implemented it. You know, that that's what we've seen with like stuff that's done in the MCU, things that are done in different comic books of comic book universes, you know, how Marvel has multiverses and so does DC. They take snippets of every little thing that's sprinkled across every other comic book and put it into the films to make their own thing. Basically that's what he did. Which is a smart way of going about it. Now he did a very, very excellent job, in my opinion. We're not one. We're me and you. We're not those snarky, um, stingy, no. you know, annoying fans. I, 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 for me, I read a lot of positivity with it. I've seen a couple. Oh of people, yeah, me of course. I've seen a couple of people dog it, but everyone that I know personally and all from what I positive, it did very well in the box office. And um, I feel like, you know, we will get at some point, hopefully we don't have to wait 30 years again, but I don't think then, so. No, this is hot. Then this we'll be, we'll be, right we'll be like in our mid sixties or early sixties. <laughs> but I, I'd have to say that I think this was very well done. It's a movie. I watched it twice when it comes out on DVD or streaming or any other way I could see it. Watch it again with my, with my lady, I have a couple of friends that haven't seen it yet. They're, you know, waiting to get back to see the movie and talk to me. Um, and I, I feel like he did a very good job. And it was the, the the first time that I saw it, it did have me tearing up that when I came home, you know, my wife asked me, how was the movie? And the first thing I said to her was like, it was a great movie. I cried. She said, you didn't cry. And I was like, you have no idea the ending of this movie. And, if, and you know, you're, you were very bitter and sad about the news of Harold Ramis. And you're a fan of Ghostbusters. Then you can definitely understand why people were writing they cried when they saw this movie because the ending of the movie was indeed very sad. You know, and it's not just sad because of how Ray was playing that character uh, for the first two films and then lending his voice to the video game and even being involved in the cartoon with Aykroyd and Reitman because they were involved with the cartoon in some aspect, actually, when you look at the credits. You know, it says created by them, but they did have some sort of rights to the cartoon, too. But it was just how Ramis has been around for so long where he did like, you know, second city um, uh, improvisation with Bill Murray and Ackward when they were coming up. And then John Candy was involved in that. Then you have stripes that he did with Bill Murray and then how he wrote and directed Caddyshack. And then he did um, films like Groundhog Day with Bill Murray that he wrote and directed. And then analyze this, analyze that father's day with Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. It, the list goes on and on with what, what all the comedies that Harold Ramis created and came up with. His style of writing and his like humor is just awesome. That 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 was on. It was a big hole for the whole comedic, you know, film community. It was. I remember the day the news broke, and and I was like, "This is so sad." When you know, we're we're never gonna get that third movie, and. Harold Ramis, you know, I'm not more, I'm not privy to what he has done. You know, you're more of the movie bu buff, and you just broke it down. So, you know, him. Oh, you got to see those films, bro. I show you those, you'll be like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, we got to We got to We're due for a, a bro night, but yeah, going, going back to that, you know, he basically got a send off in Ghostbusters. Where I feel yeah. for people like me, he was the most iconic. I Joey, I've had my screen name on AOL. I still have this email to this day. <laughs> I've had, I have had this email. Fourteen or thirteen years old, Egon fifteen sixteen at AOL.com. and it's because Egon has always been because he was the weird one. But when he got mad 
And when shit hit the fan, Egon was there doing his thing. And that kind of just was like me, you know, nerdy, quiet sometimes, and just able to do things when it hit the fan. And that's why I loved Egon and Harold Ramis as a person, the impact in the, in the, in the movie industry, as far as comedies and movies like that, he got a great send off. And like I said, you know, referring back to something I said earlier, those emotions that we for we saw from Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Annie Hudson were genuine because you know that yeah. was a send off not only to the character Egon Spangler but to you know Harold Ramis. Yeah, exactly. L- let me just say right now, putting your your you know your uh, your email account out there right now. That's very brave of you because you're about to get so much emails of penis enlargement. Like you have well, no idea. <laughs> listen, I, 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 you know what? I, as crazy as it sounds, I rather get the penis enlargement emails instead of the extended warranty for my car. So, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> we could we could switch it. We could switch it up, but but no, I actually have business cards with my email. Actually, my new email, which I won't say on the air, but um, <laughs> don't. on on the podcast there. But you know. Um, just showing you and, and everybody that the love I have for the Ghostbusters, including yeah. Egon, you know, buddy, that's just, it's a good send off. It was a good movie in general for the character in the movie and also the late great Harold Ramis. Yeah. And then, you know, if they ever, whatever they do with like a part four, it's, there's no question about it, like not being made because the movie made back a shit ton of money. So that's number one. Audiences loved it. That's number two. There's already ideas swarming. That's number three. The puzzles are into place. We're living in the age right now where films like this. Old franchises are old being franch- re-brought yeah. up and making bundles. Right because now, nerds are, are popular now. Yes, it's like, right, yeah, right. where was this when I was younger? I know. Well, wait, right <laughs> I was now, a nerd. Still right am. now, Mickey Mouse is rolling in money with lightsabers and carbonite. In his, yeah. in his, you know, and he... and. And if the people at Sony are, they want to get money, they use the Ghostbusters because I think this is still true to this day. Do you know the most iconic, the number two most iconic symbol recognized around the world? Do you know what it is? I feel like the number one is McDonald's. No. So, okay. So the most, so as far as, as far as logos, something you can visibly see sign wise. The stop sign is the most recognized. Obviously, it's oh, red. Oh, that is? Oh, it's wow. red. Okay. It's red. It's at stop. And, and, and you will know that that's... that's most people just sign. blow past it. But I remember reading the most... The second most recognized sign or symbol around the world, and I, I could be wrong because it's been a while since I read this, was the Ghostbusters symbol. People knew, even if they weren't a fan, when they're like, that's the Ghostbuster. So when you see that, something about seeing that symbol... It's just it just gets your eyes up. If you're a fan, you're like, that's the Ghostbusters. And if you're not even a fan, you recognize us, the Ghostbusters. You know? Yeah. So this is something that has been picking up so much steam in the last five years. And with everything that dropped toy-wise to the replicas, the Proton Pack, the Neuron One, the video game, which came out in 2009. Remember buying the video game and playing it on a TV, hooked up to my kitchen table at my old apartment, just to play it in peace. I mean it's just it's picked up steam throughout the years more in the last five but if sony has you know the mental capacity they they would take this and they will run with it up until you know and put it on the the pedestal right there with star wars and and the marvel universe oh no i believe they will i believe they will definitely i wouldn't be surprised if you see the, the the real ghostbusters cartoon come back out with with new episodes or something to that extent because you actually seen in a news uh, in some news, X Men is coming back out the original cartoon, and they're going to put. Oh new yeah. Episodes. So you know you're seeing this stuff because this was the stuff that was popular, and it's still popular with, with youth today. And matter of fact, youth are not just watching this stuff; it's people our age group that are that are watching it. You know, and yeah. it's it's still popular to this day. Yeah, I uh, because now, like I said, now's the age of the nerd, and it's because. They didn't realize how much there are fans for a franchise like this. That's the thing. Like it's most of the time, like a lot of listen to the fans. They just produce and do what they want to do. Now they've heard, okay, well, you know, there's a community that really likes us. We've underestimated this. We can't just force and do our own way of what we think is better. We have to try and do things that listen to a fan. 
say say to some fan servicing and some people may like knock that as like oh you're not being original you're doing fan service so what there's a if you're doing something for the fans making a film based off of fans that like the franchise why would you not give them some sort of service yeah. that's the thing i don't understand i don't understand it's like oh fan servicing is wrong you're enjoying yourself stop it okay <laughs> yeah listen we're 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 in for a good future of a lot of a lot of things to come i, I hope they reboot some some cartoons that i used to enjoy or make movies off off of it um but we'll speak about that off the air there's oh, a yeah. lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff that they could do and I've, I've been saying it for years and uh you know but there's a lot of stuff forthcoming and hopefully we get to see a lot more ghostbusters stuff it just doesn't end with this Joey, I'm going to be thanking you for coming on for this episode. It was a great episode. And uh, yeah, thanks thank you for again. having this me. Won't, this won't be the last time, but next time we'll be talking about <laughs> something different, hopefully, not Ghostbusters again. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, man. So this is going to conclude the episode of Say What Again, Billy podcast. I'd like to thank the Anchor app for giving me the opportunity to do this podcast. Uh, if you don't have Anchor and you never heard about Anchor, it is the app that lets you do your own podcasting ideas, giving you all the tools you need. You can use your laptop, your your, your Apple podcast app. You could use your laptop phone and you can use your computer to do your stuff on there and record and get your podcast idea out there. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Say What Again, Billy podcast. <laughs>